Thomas. Hi. Hi. Are you ready, Elliot? For what? <laughs> For this episode. I'm of so ready. Do you queer? What? I queer. <laughs> Everyone, that's Tom. And that's Elliot. And together we are Dickwick. Oh my goodness. And you've tuned into a very special episode where we sit down with the amazing Kevin Wong. I'm so excited for this episode. I think it's the hardest I've ever laughed. For sure it is that I've seen around you. And it's <laughs> He's so funny. Yeah, and like... And smart and amazing. And profound wisdom just falls out of him. So fucking... I want to fall out of him. Clearly, yes. And stay tuned, everyone, because <laughs> we're going to talk for a bit first. And we're not sorry about it. No, I'm not sorry about anything. Tom, before we get into anything, I just want to ask you... Yeah. Um, so last week when we recorded our intro, you and I were basically gum that someone had scraped off the floor. Uh, yeah, I was corpse. Uh, just just a corpse. Um, yeah. And so I feel like our pride wasn't like well described or like I like how was yours actually like reflecting on it? Uh, I feel like I'm still don't have enough of a like distance from it. Fair. But um, it, it was uh, oh, it was a whirlwind. Okay, so Tom's still dead, so I shouldn't I shouldn't have asked now. Don't be sorry. That's fantastic. I actually can't remember what I said last time either, but it was like <laughs> full of friends and fun and way too much alcohol, way too much alcohol. I'm not 20, right. and I'm tired of myself right. for thinking that I am. That's exactly what you said last week, so perfect, <laughs> perfect, perfect. Great. No, I mean, I, I mean, I think what I wanted to just maybe get out of this, this little touchback is like how fucking lucky are we how blessed are we to have experienced pride in the city yeah. with these amazing people around us um and listening back when i was like we survived pride like it we're, we're so lucky like i don't want that to come across as us like taking this for granted we live in a fantastic city totally we have tons of queer rights things can always be better we should never be complacent no nope. but right now i'm in pride come down mode because i wish it was that queer all year round and in Me fact too. it should be that queer all Me year too. round isn't it sad like i'm just can't help but like the come down is so real. It, like, it's always the hardest time. It's worse than any drug I've ever done. Like, the the Monday after Pride is always awful. But, I mean, but but because Pride is so amazing. Yeah. Um, but also kind of heartbreaking, because I spoke to a lot of folks who were saying, like, this weekend, like, Pride weekend in particular, um, they dress queer, and they dress the way they want to dress, and people become more themselves. And it's, like, amazing that we have that, but that, that like, I wish that was all year round. I wish we felt safe enough that we could do that all year round. That's interesting. And I would say the same for myself. Like, I, yeah. I love I love how I present on Pride, and I feel myself when I present on Pride, um, and, I, and I should do it more often. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry for making you dredge up something you're not ready to talk about, Thomas. <laughs> no, that's fine. <sighs> that's fine. I'm still mulling it over. I'm sure I'll have more, uh, more to say. Do you think it's strange that I didn't get in a fight? Yeah, I do. I mean, that's a journey for you that you're on, and I'm proud of you. Um, you know what? I really wanted to. I was thinking this year maybe I would forego the parade and go and stand in front of or harass the protesters yes. protesting the parade. Right. Because I feel like that's me using my privilege in the right way. My privilege as like a, a large, perhaps intimidating white man. Yeah. White cis man. And um, I've, I've figured... I changed my mind at the last minute because I was like, no, actually, I want to have fun. So and sue me, And maybe that's a job that an ally or an accomplice should do. Did Were they not there yet or was I not paying attention? Because I did not see those counter protesters. I year. looked for them. They're always in the same spot. Uh, I looked for them and I couldn't see them. And I don't know whether that's because they moved, they didn't show up, or people were actively covering them. 
any of those are great. Yeah. Um, also interesting, I mean, because of what happened in Detroit that we've spoke about, what happened in Hamilton as well at Pride when there was violence against queers from like neo-Nazis. Yeah. Uh, everyone was ramped up for violence this year. And I thought for sure it was happening. As far as I was I've ready. heard, nothing happened. So that's another thing to, to take stock of and to be grateful for. I'm... I'm surprised at this point me too i'm actually genuinely i was i was ready i was ready to like hop a fence and fight somebody yeah um so that's great okay yay no fights for either of us no fights maybe just emotional ones maybe just slightly um other okay so second thing i want to get into before this episode uh we're going to say this probably a bunch of times but our merch is up and we're extremely proud of it our graphic designer vic at on instagram it's at v dot m i c e l i she's so phenomenal and thank you I just you, Vic. can't get over her me neither and the, the graphics she did for last week's episode what the hell I know I know it's, she's so fucking talented you can't even do better and like I'm happy that I get to sell things that I'm proud of yeah. and like that's my that's my joy yeah. so please head over to doyouqueer.com check out our merch yeah. buy some for yourself buy some for your friends buy a bunch of our stickers and stick them all over wherever the yeah. fuck you are or you can DM us and uh, we'll figure it out if you yeah. don't want to do the internet thing because I'm bad at the internet thing totally just DM us and I'll you know parachute it over to you any way you can get in contact with us buy our merch we have tote bags different t-shirts stickers and mugs um, great glad Cute. we covered that do you have any corners? Yeah, I have a slight corner. I have a, oh. like a like a realization corner. It's very odd doing this podcast now in this format because we listen back on our open, honest truths from weeks ago, and so for some reason, even this episode specifically, it's like it's like opening a time capsule of things I forgot. <laughs> you know? Sometimes. Yeah, it is strange. Yeah, very very bizarre. Yeah. Because um, I'm like, oh, I, I did that. Oh, I thought that. Oh, I felt that. People must be so confused about like our emotional states and where we are. I, I suppose. Um, that's always been the case, though. Yeah. It's only sort of heightens. Whether or not yeah. we have a temporal shift, people yeah. are usually like, should I check in? Are you doing all right? The uh, answer is you should check in, and we're not sure. <clears throat> Thanks, though. Tom, what corners do you have? <laughs> um, I just had a slight media corner that media. I wanted to touch on. Um, it's... Uh, so I've been watching this new show on HBO called Euphoria. Mm. I made you watch a little clip of it the other day, I was Elliot. Hooked. It is very hard. It's like 13 Reasons Why did crack and is at a rave. Right, okay. Like, it's hard, hard, hard. The show opens with Zendaya's character named Rue just getting out of rehab to get ready for her, I want to say, first day of 10th grade? Okay, Whoa. Question mark? Um, but it's hard. It's like the what my sort of worst nightmare would be for any of my students in high school right now. That's fucked. Um, you know, there's a lot about addiction. There's a lot about um, uh, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. internet porn, underage drug use, and sex acts, and gender bending. It's very, it's a lot. Yeah, the minute clip that I saw, the eight-minute clip that I saw was like dark and queer and intriguing and heart-wrenching all at the same time. But what excites me most about the show is that there's an actress on it, and I'm saying that on purpose, actress, not not the... uh, Not the neutral version? Not the neutral version. The actress's name is Jules on the show, and she's a young... Uh, transgender character she's one of the main characters which is exciting and she's phenomenal amazing uh so i wanted to she her character arc right now is that she's on grinder with these like all these different men and we're not sure who they are and if she's getting catfished 
um, but it's pretty dark and scary and awful. Mm, but this mm-hmm. this actress does a phenomenal job. This actress, whose name is Hunter Schaefer, and, and this is actually her first like gig cool. on this show. She's done a bunch of uh, modeling, but um, it's really really cool. And HBO's big deal. It's a it's a big big deal. And she was born in 1999. How does that make you feel, Tom? It makes me feel old because I am. <laughs> um, yeah, but so she was born in North Carolina. And so she said that the internet helped her cope with her sexual identity, turning to YouTube and social media to learn about people's transition timelines. Fuck yeah. So the internet, I guess, is good, but well, I'm still that- not... Uh, convinced that very much like lines up for this episode as well we have a lot about media representation that i'm very excited about yes and i meant to say that but unfortunately i still only have a few brain cells but thank you for that's saying. fine brain cells you don't regenerate so i'd like to say something hopeful but i can't <laughs> um but she um she protested against uh, the bathroom bill while she was in high school she had a lot to do with it and then teen vogue snatched her up snatch so she was listed as uh, the 21 under 20 list fuck yeah uh, and she's modeled for Dior, Tommy Hilfiger, Vera Wang, Marc Jacobs, and on and on and on. Very exciting. Um, and it, what's cool about this show in particular, Euphoria, is that she's also collaborated with the show's creator, Sam Levinson, so that it actually shows um, the story of her character reflects her own experience. Fucking cool. Yeah. I love that. Um, can so I have that's a- not tokenism. That is real representation of real peoples and real stories. That's can I have space for a corner? Can I have corner space? Um, absolutely. You don't have to ask me. This is your, your any. Nope. This is. Go ahead. <laughs> Tom's brain cells are struggling. I'm trying to empower you, but it's Listen, not working. Yeah, you don't know how to. You don't know how to do that, and that's okay. That's your journey. I'm on my own. Um, I have two corners. My first corner is brief. It's shout out corner. Oh. Um, I mentioned you this last week, but again brain cells were not certain pride was a lot uh while i was marching in the parade a group of of people um i don't want to assume anyone's gender i think young young girls but i'm not positive um i just assumed age and gender so sue me but they people yelled my name and i looked over and they were like oh my god i love your show and it was just a very cool i'm trying not to brag too much a cool experience but i want to shout out those people particularly thank you so much for doing that that made my entire week um, should have shouted you out earlier, but y'all are amazing. So well, would you, you? Yeah, and also like if they know you, like you just consider everything to be really bad right away. Yeah. So you probably thought they were heckling you oh. or saying rude things to you. Yeah. If, yeah. if you would have saw my face, I turned back with horror, yeah. like just horror. Like, and I didn't even ever appropriately respond. So to those to those folks, like what I should have done is ran over and hugged you and been like amazed, um, overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed, but I love y'all. So thank you. I'm gonna interrupt you before you go on to your next corner. Please is do. that okay? Please do. Um, so I just came right from Engage. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, you've talked about before. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a really cool confidential computer survey at Ryerson University uh, testing for sexually transmitted infections. But they're actually, what they're doing is putting together a real cool research project paper. Yes. Um, or, uh, around the sexual health and study of uh, gay, bi, queer, and other men who have sex with men, including trans men in the greater Toronto area. It's fucking amazing. And so I went to do this. It, it did take a couple hours, but it was so interesting. And it had me thinking a lot about uh, my sexual identity and my relationship with sex and my relationship with HIV and my relationship with my own mental health and my problems with addiction. And it was like quite the experience. And I, I would suggest that everyone 
does that. Yeah. Um, you you can, do need to be referred, but yes, I'm sure you can find somebody. Um, actually, the the person told me there that they can just call and make an appointment. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So, so you can engage. call uh, 416-979-5000, dial 1, and then extension 2158, or visit Toronto at Engage men.ca and I, I just really think that everyone should do this because I think the data they're going to pull is going to be really interesting fuck yes and the reason that made me thought of that Elliot is because the nurse had also heard of us oh that's bizarre yeah crazy not crazy kooky kooky spooky um, spooky so therapeutic that study yeah um, I'm obsessed with that and also I'm really proud of you Tom sorry to be kind I know you can't deal with it but I'm going to look in your eyes and say I'm really proud of you so thank you for going that's amazing I'm glad to have gone. Oh, that's sweet. Um, last corner, positive corner. Okay. Semi-positive corner. Uh, it's incredibly positive, but Iceland um, on the 18th of June uh, unanimously voted to add a third gender option um, and also to strengthen trans rights um, in a new bill that was passed, uh, a new law that was passed. And um, there, like, there is kind of, a, I guess, like a, a potentially negative caveat um, so, but first of all, what this law does is make sure that trans people don't have to go through a very invasive um, and long procedure anymore, medical procedure, in order to receive the proper health care that they should be oh, receiving. Cool, cool. Um, so it kind of cut that out of, of the mix. It also means that non-binary people can change their legal gender now um, and have like a non-binary option of X, which is exciting. I'm pulling all this info from uh, Pink News from an article by Vic Parsons. So thank you, Vic Parsons. Um, But an interesting thing that happened as well was that the protections for intersex children were dropped um, in this new law. Uh, Basically meaning that what the protections were supposed to be was that you couldn't have um, unnecessary and invasive medical surgery on intersex children. Um, But now what it means is that, and this is a little bit confusing, but a special committee has 12 months now to research a new law specifically for intersex children. And adults. Oh. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. I'm okay. not entirely sure. But um, update corner. Hmm. Yeah. Like, great protection, great rights. Right. I don't fully understand what that means, but I guess that's going to be figured out. Yes. I'm, I'm sure. Um, and we'll keep an eye on that. So, Tom, any other corners? Any other? Yeah. Uh, yeah I just have one last one that's going to lead us into our segment. How, Beautiful. How about that? Can please. I take us home? Please, please, the please. The chicken's coming home to roost. Oh, Kriku. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, of course, we're joined uh, this week by the beloved mm-hmm. Kevin Wong, part two of the Asian Riffing Trio. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you want more info on that. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's this amazing lyricist, singer, composer, pop star, queer, Asian, past lawyer, man of my dreams, and I'm not afraid to say it. You surely aren't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he does have a show. Uh, in the Toronto F- Fringe Festival that everyone should go see, I sure as damn well will, and I will drag Elliot with me. Won't have to drag me. I will be there. <laughs> it's called Drama 101, uh, and of course, it's at the... Uh, uh, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Oh, it's at the Robert Gill Theater, which is 214 College Street. Opens July 5th, runs to July 14th. Uh, this is Kevin's show that he's fucking just put together himself. It's a new musical, and it's for teen friend, fringe friends. Can you say that address a little bit slower? Uh, 214 College Street, Toronto, Ontario, M5T2Z9. You fucking monster. <laughs> um, to purchase tickets, you can go to fringetoronto.com or by phone at 416-966-1062. I realize I'm yelling a lot of addresses and numbers at you. Your um, energy is really <laughs> frightening right now. 
But if anyone can we'll back up and get that, we can also post it. Yes. Yeah, we'll post it all for you. So um, we'll see you there. <laughs> Kevin will see you there. So will we. Tom needs a nap now, I think, without further ado. Without Is there anything gay. else? Here, here's, I'm so excited for this segment. I'm really, I, I really just love it. I think it's great. Yeehaw! Just patiently waiting. Yeah. Kevin, hi. Hi. This is so exciting. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. I've been harassing you for a while. That's, That's you. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> I finally captured him. Right. Oh, Just no. Just joking. I'm sitting at home waiting for the invite anyway. Sort of like, okay. <laughs> Leah's been on. Chris has been on. <laughs> If they don't ask me next, I will be very upset. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. We have two-thirds of the Asian riffing tree That's now. true. You should get Colin on as well. He's a, he's a hoot. Wait, say that slower again for our listeners. Um, two-thirds of the Asian riffing trio. Amazing. That is your... That is my boy band. Yeah, my queer Asian boy band. That's the best thing I've <laughs> yeah. ever heard. Yeah. We, uh, we owe that very much to Chris, who came up with the idea... Mostly as a joke, but then we actually went through with it, and now it's been, like, six years. It's fucking Six amazing. years? Yeah. We debuted at, like, Chris's Christmas Cabaret in, like, December, I guess, 2013, so wow. almost six years. Wow. Yeah. What is it you guys cover in the trio? I think a lot of the music that we grew up listening to, which is a lot of divas, a lot of pop, a lot of riffing, a lot of the stuff that makes, you know, a young queer kid feel <laughs> um, larger than they are or more empowered than they are. Um, and it turned out that there's a lot of common reference points because we're roughly the same age. Colin is, of course, the youngest, that little um, monster. <laughs> but, you know. You're not bitter at all, though. No, <laughs> no, I'm not bitter at all about constantly being photographed next to our small, twinky, younger uh, bandmate. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you do your own solo work, too. I do. Yeah, I've been a, I was a singer-songwriter for quite a long time, even when I was, uh, might get into this, I was a lawyer for a little while, but even through that, I was a singer-songwriter. Um, but in, as of 2013, I've kind of mostly been a composer-lyricist for musical theater, and then I sing and play piano for fun and occasionally release my own pop stuff. Wow. Yeah. A man of all talents. I need to ask really fast. I'm such like a slut for law. What what kind of law did you practice? <laughs> I practiced slut for, <laughs> slut for law in all senses of the word. Oh my goodness, you have that look about you. Thank you. Yeah. That's actually the nicest yeah. thing anyone's ever said to me. Yeah. I actually call that a slaw. <laughs> I'm cold. A slaw. A slaw. That's very good. That would that would slay in law schools with the profs. <laughs> it would slaw in law schools. It would slaw in the slaw slayed in slay slaw. slaw school. This podcast just disintegrates into similar sounding words. Um, I was in, uh, I actually worked at the HIV and AIDS Legal Clinic of Ontario for three years, which is a not-for-profit legal clinic, one of the specialty ones in Ontario. Oh, wow. They still exist. They do uh, free legal advice for anyone who's HIV positive in Ontario. And then they also represent people on certain things. So they've been, uh, they do a lot of representation on immigration work human rights uh, stuff, some housing, some benefit stuff, when it relates directly to the HIV status. Wow. That sounds so cool. What's it called again? One the more HIV and AIDS Legal Clinic of Ontario, or wow. HALCO for short. Cool. I, I mean, they might not want me doing promo because I haven't spoken to them for a couple of years. Oh, okay. Not for any bad reasons. You know, it doesn't matter. Doug Ford will cut the entire program next He might. Week anyway. Actually, I mean, the one thing about them that's been smart is they've, they also run a lot on private funding mm. because they know that, like, 
this service is important enough that they've got to have right. multiple sources yeah. for a while. And their executive director has been really clever about that. But yeah, they work in partnership with um, the HIV AIDS legal network as well for a lot of lobbying stuff. So mm-hmm. a lot of the clarity around when you're supposed to disclose your HIV status in order to not be prosecuted, things like that. A lot of that work was theirs as well. Well, it's been cool stuff. Wow, thank God for that. That's cool. fucking wow, amazing. Mm. I'm very We're getting expected. ahead of ourselves because yes. we have mm. to follow the laws of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Which mm. are, please, please tell me how you're feeling today in a color. I'm feeling kind of like a warm, desaturated teal blue, I think. <laughs> Fuck you know? yes. You have that yes. locked and loaded. I know. <laughs> thank you for sending the questions in advance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today's a bit of a recharge day. I just came out of a four-day private workshop uh, for a show of mine but when I'm in workshop you're rewriting at night and then you get up at seven to like commute to where the workshop is by 10 oh for god's sake yeah so I was on four hours of sleep for about four nights in a row and wow. today my body went you know that snap of tension when suddenly you don't have to uh, mm-hmm. and my body just no. went you're gonna nap for six hours so, Tom sorry no. Tom very much recharging 13 years of that exact same feeling and <laughs> when he snaps I'm not too sure what's gonna happen it's it's gonna be definitely more than a nap just release his mortal coil entirely like but like a Jedi like he'll just disintegrate in front of you into the air it's just an audible sigh that everyone in, in the whole city can hear but then all your podcasts will still be with Tom he'll just be an echoey disembodied voice that hovers Jesse figure out how to pick up a ghost on a podcast thank you thank you very much Okay, four hours a night, though, that's that's a lot. How are you? How is your state of mind? Now it's wonderful. I mean, it was great, too, because um, the actors we had were really wonderful, and it's a piece I love, and it's going very well. But uh, my state of mind on the days afterward is I'm very good at just going into hibernation mm-hmm. mode, and my brain has mostly been off today. So, which is great, great great for a podcast i was gonna say Perfect. you don't super need it here if you've yeah, listened no, before no, this, is, this, this is this is the the, the uh, podcast version of a lobotomy yeah it's true actually so welcome we're your I doctors just heard a little bottomy <laughs> <laughs> little bottom me it sounds like me at 20 we're doing a lot of wordplay really fast <laughs> that's a fantastic drag name also little bottomy it's like yeah a, that's like a, so good like surgeon drag Le, yeah, or or le bottom me. Yes, because she's a bit French. Le bottom, it's perfect. Le, me, le bottom me. She's a very stupid French woman, and she just like <laughs> eats baguettes out of her out of her bum. Her tuck is a baguette. That I she ate a full out. baguette yesterday. In fact. <laughs> oh, so you're le bottom me. I am le bottom me. <laughs> you're channeling her so hard right now. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my answer to your color question. <laughs> Fucking perfect. There's there's the snap from Tom also. That's really funny. Does he go ridiculous? Oh my god! Oh my god, Tom, you fucking need to go to bed. Uh, <laughs> Elliot, what's your color? Oh my god, um, um, my color today—that was so wonderful, Tom. My color today is uh, onyx. It's like it's like what? a yeah, it's like a dark, steely onyx color. Um, it's because I've never heard that color before. I really hope it's a color. I'm almost it certain it, it is. is. It's yeah. like it's like a metallic dark kind of color. Yeah, like darker than charcoal, basically black. A lot of st- like the onyx stones are. Oh. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Kevin. Um, <laughs> my color is onyx because I feel very much like I am in a hardening phase. Tom, no, no giggles or whispers. Um, I'm very much kind of. Uh, I'm going through like a crystallization period, I feel, in in a sense, um, in my own life right now. And like, 
I'm going to emerge soft soon, but right now I feel very like business, get it done, like harden up, folks. Wow. So, wow. Onyx, yeah. Oh, I thought both of Kennedy Davenport and also a Pokemon. That's beautiful. <laughs> and thank you. Thanks for that addition. That is my All color of our now. Guests talk about Pokemon and I just don't know anything about it. So I love it. Something my younger should... brother played it a lot. It wasn't right. my thing, but you know, you absorb. I right. played it all the time. I also did think of Onyx. He was a big old spooky mm. Pokemon. Rock Snake. Tom, what's your color? Oh, Lord. Um, my color is a... Um, it's, it's, a, it's a gray. It's a, a sand gray. You know when you go to that uh, one of those sandy beaches, but it's like... Um, disgusting yes and there's like seaweed too much seaweed built up and for some reason the sky is always gray and the beach isn't like beautiful it's like covered in twigs and it's actually gray sand yes. and it's mostly little rocks yes you can't even walk on the sand because it hurts your feet yeah that color gray. <laughs> that color gray. To the mood color of the scarborough bluffs yeah. basically yes. yes my color is scarborough bluffs yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not bluffing about that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Jesse, shut it down. This episode's officially canceled. I'm so sorry. Oh, yes, I'm horrified and delighted. I'm so, so, so <laughs> sorry, everyone. That's what all of my exes say. <laughs> can we just back this up just a couple more steps? Um, Kevin, can you just introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners? Sure. Uh, I'm a queer, Asian, cisgendered male, composer, lyricist of musical theater who really loves carbs and short walks in my house. Wow. That was phenomenal. Was really good. Is that your dating pro? Oh, no, you're married. <laughs> I don't have a dating profile. Yeah, that, that was like, was that on I the did spot? Have the, apparently, I had that ready, but no. Did you see the look of surprise on my yeah. face, too? It was like you got possessed by <laughs> your own biography. My husband's <laughs> one piece of advice before getting on this podcast was keep your answers short. Oh. oh. No, I don't like that advice. Clearly doesn't know that we're the most long-winded podcast. <laughs> long-windiness. We love it. Too much. Um, great. So, uh... How did you get into music? Were you always into music from a little faggoty child? Oh, the most faggoty child. Uh, <laughs> I was always into music. I I think my parents picked up on it because I was able to reproduce tunes really early. Mm. Uh, I remember my mom ended up dragging me, kicking and screaming down like a, a Montessori school hall to like my first violin Suzuki lesson at like three or four Whoa. years old. And then... Uh, I was pretty good, but because it was a class full of Asian prodigies, I, <laughs> I, tech, I sucked in relation. <laughs> That's um, unfair standards. Yeah. Though. Yeah. Like one of them went on to become a doctor who also soloed with the Toronto Symphony Orchestra from time to time for fun. So, what? You know, That's a thing? Yeah. She was, she was our second best. I feel in oh. no way inadequate right now <laughs> at oh, all. You aren't. That's, yeah. thank you, you are not. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. There's the kid who just had holding his dick for whatever reason at the age of four. <laughs> well, I uh, identify with that too. <laughs> um, but at a certain point, music took over your life and your career, which is yeah. so exciting that, like, as someone who works in the arts too, that you actually finally get to yeah, it's do good. your passion for a living. I think it's exciting, especially because I, I came to it second in that. You, you know, your parents want you to be safe, especially when you're the son of immigrant parents who work yeah. very hard to, you know, create a stable financial environment. Uh, and so it was a long time just because the coding was, this is something you can be very good at as right. your extracurricular, but it's a part of making you well-rounded. It's not supposed to be your full career. Mm. And so I did go, you know, we talked a bit about the lawyer thing, but I went to law school. I practices law. I really tried to give the nine to five thing a go and just moonlight as an artist at night. 
And I burned out pretty hard because I think my brain really is meant to split some creative with some logistical stuff. Yeah. And I think the happiest lawyers are people who are pretty much type A's all the time. Like if you get a genuine joy in life out of an obsessive control of detail. Jesse. You'd be a great lawyer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense too. And um, I don't know too much about it, but music is the perfect split of that, right? Because in some ways it's mathematical, it's also creative. Like I feel like it's very fitting to your guys' brains. Yeah. I find applying it to theater actually is also even more that split because. You know, some act, uh, some actor, some character needs to, you know, say a certain thing, and you end up having to be like, okay, this part of it is math because it needs to feel like this emotion, mm-hmm. but you've got to do it in eight counts, and this is what it's supposed to look like on paper, and so you get to sort of slip in and out of those things. We're like, oh, this is how it feels, but this is actually how you execute. The it's thing. fascinating. Yeah, so you I really like. I I'm the same as you. Where the only other subject I was good in school was math, mm-hmm. and that's how I approach like you know, working on a script. It's that like, everything's an equation. Mm-hmm. This equals that equals that equals that. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of look at an entire play as an equation and then each sort of beat within the play as sub equations. That's I, crazy mm. brain. Corner. No, I admire that so much. Cause when I like, when I, whatever construct a paper or an argument, it's just, it's this amorphous mass that just comes as I go. I in no way, shape <laughs> or form have like a roadmap or anything prior to. Yeah. Because I can't write like you write. Right. I have no idea how to do that. Like I can't write, sit down and write an essay. I have no right. idea how to do mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's strange. I don't, if I knew then I would know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. a mess. It's a dark mess. Um, in terms of theater though, do you, your production writing, mm-hmm. performing the whole thing? Yeah. It's, I what, even when I was in my undergrad before I went to law school, I I got into musical theater as a whim. I mean, I'd listened and enjoyed theater a lot. Like the first show I saw was Phantom when I was six, <laughs> and I could, as a young boy soprano, sing probably all of Christine's lines for the first act. Wow, and I'm sure you did. I did. <laughs> Apparently, and I was also one of those kids who like was walking around at recess holding the kindergarten teacher's hand, not playing with the other kids. Oh my and, heart! And so she like would remark to my mother and like, "Your son is extraordinarily gifted at memorizing lines. Not so great at making friends." But <laughs> nobody can be good at everything. No one it's can be true. good at everything. Yeah, and then I, you know, I, I loved theater all the way through school and did a lot of the school plays either in the pit or on stage played a terrible farm boy and gypsy like really did not know how to act um, but then got into it in university produced a little bit there programmed a season and then went to law school and forgot about it for a little while but oh then... programmed a season no yeah okay yeah the the student theater at university of western ontario where i went for undergrad is student run like the mm-hmm. student council has a pretty big budget for it but it's a student runs the whole thing i didn't peg you as a western boy i know I wanted, I wanted to get away to come out somewhere else that wasn't Toronto. So you chose, so I chose Western. (laughs) Honestly, I think what it was was it's like yeah, I was seventeen. You walk around campus, and the one thing Western does have is gorgeous undergrad, mostly white men. And I think walking around, I was like, yeah, I could come out here, and then I did. And the actual like practical reality of it was was lightly more um, racist Mm -hmm. than expected, only slightly, you know. I got lots of you're cute for an Asian. Oh, mm. you're cute for an Asian. Really? People said that? Yeah. In, it was like the early aughts at the time. Mm. <laughs> it sounded sound like it was the 70s, you know? <laughs> it was like the early aughts, you know, face pick was a thing. Um, but at the time, it's so funny because back then my coding ran so deep too that I would actually be like, oh, thank you. Right? Genuinely. Oh, sort of wow. like, oh I'm getting That's ahead of the, the curve. System, right? That was the system. Now I'd sort of be like, okay, thank you, goodbye. Like, right. Yeah. But yeah, at the time you were sort of like, someone values me. And uh, thinking back now, I guess 
a lot has changed both internally but also just culturally mm-hmm. right around that this question it's our, our season three question ties into that quite mm-hmm. nicely um how has your queerness been fostered throughout your life what has fostered your queerness i think some of it is that even though my parents had a lot of journeying to do in their own relationship with what they understood queerness to be what it meant to have you know a son who identified as gay when i was really really young either through instinct or through intentionality they didn't really try to police um either my performance of gender or what i was exploring so you know i wanted a barbie really badly for my sixth birthday and my mom just got me a barbie and remember she had these heels that just wouldn't stay on but i remember really being <laughs> wow that's delighted. really progressive of your mom really progressive yeah, and she that's... was you know a, an immigrant from China, uh, from China who grew up in Burma and landed in Winnipeg at the age of 13. Like she really had no reason to be that open-minded, but I think something, I was her first kid and I think something about it all, she just didn't think that way for the first couple of years of my life when it was mm. just us without the rest of society judging us or. Right. Hmm. Um, and also Shira for a really <laughs> long time when I was a kid, a lot of young female media representations mm-hmm. and then I think when I realized I was gay which was pretty young about 12 or 13 I guess I mean you probably know that you're different no matter what and I was playing with girls as a kid no matter way before then mm-hmm. but I think thank God for the internet a little bit I at the time it was <laughs> very very unmarked territory and that you could find a lot of things as you were asking questions about yourself for the first time, you had to do it on dial-up, and you had to turn <laughs> off the computer if any member of your family walked into the room. But <laughs> uh, or went on the phone. Yeah, <laughs> but at least there there were answers out there for a little while, and I stumbled into some online communities that, for better, were incredibly accepting and sort of helped me realize that like there was nothing wrong with what I was feeling. Um, on the downside, I think there were, because it was also unregulated, like there was also a higher amount of risk as far as, I don't know, let's say the worst that happened and my parents had thrown me out, which they never would have. But who knows if I could have ended up in some predator's home as well. At totally. Some point. But I think, yeah, the early onset of the internet, thank goodness. And then now I think there's a lot of, it's the answer is kind of art ultimately, right? Like, good progressive varied representation now in film media stage music i think a lot of that has fostered my later queerness and expanded my own boundaries Mm -hmm. earlier i was saying to you that like you know i was young and heteronormative and i think i'm a lot less so now than i was back then largely because of how we are able to express ourselves now I adore that answer, and we, yeah. we've been getting it a lot in different forms in this season, and it sounds like we have a hidden agenda, but we really don't. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's totally unprompted, and that's yeah, what yeah, I love yeah. about it. Like, it it just makes its own case that, of course, we need representation. Of course, we need to see ourselves and others and difference and sameness reflected back. Yeah. You know? Especially in media, especially in art, where mm-hmm. which is where we find out about our humanity. And also, like, if I might get a little bit pretentious and, like, schooly, um, queerness in a lot of ways shows us a better future or shows us the possibility for different futures. And I think that aligns with the definition of art in a lot of ways. Like, it's at once a mirror, but it's also an imagination and it's also um, hopeful, right? And I feel like the two are similar. Well, that's an audio bite. 
audio bite. Great. Oh, and <laughs> I ruined it with that. You're oh, wait, you're so smart. I keep forgetting. That's so cute. It's so easy to forget. Probably. Um, follow up question to that, Kevin. Yeah. How how then do you or will you foster queerness in others? I think now I also have the benefit of being an artist who creates work, which is great. And I actually theater right now in Toronto, but across the world is also on the cusp of some interesting things as, as we sort of talk about how to more effectively welcome non-binary people into our spaces, trans people into our spaces. I work in musical theater, both as an admin and as a creator, and there finally are some really exciting transgender and non-binary creators of theater coming out now. And I think the fact that that work is being created means that you're now making space for artists to grow into that work and to see themselves and to aspire to being artists when they grow up. Mm -hmm. But, you know, like the coding runs deep, even the way in which our casting calls are created, still male and female rather than voice type or rather than asking a question about whether being male or female is crucial to that character's identity in a way that serves the play versus just like enhances categorization for the sake of it. That's incredibly interesting. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's a really good question because I run a lot of auditions for some of the companies that I work for and I'm constantly thinking now about like how I'm writing these casting notices and I wouldn't have thought about it five years ago Mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that in the actual works I'm creating there's now the question of is this character's gender identity essential and if so how are they conceptualizing it like are they actually just a cisgendered male does it matter for this story Mm -hmm. and then uh, for example even in this piece that I was workshopping there's a gender non-binary character and you're doing a lot of work in the room for yourself as well to not refer to them to not misgender the character that you yourself has created um, and to make sure that anyone else who's coming in who maybe doesn't have that base of knowledge that you do also meets you at that place and then also starts honoring this character you've created so that then the actual artists and human beings that come into the room to play this person also feel like they're genuinely being represented and genuinely being welcomed into the room as an equal player and a voice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm so fascinated by that. <laughs> I'm kind of in awe. <laughs> Me too, seriously. And it just opens up the whole question too of like desire, I feel, because a lot of characters um, in more traditionally heteronormative stories, like it's usually a white cis male as, as the hero or main character or white cis female yeah. because not only are they supposed to be desired in their storyline, but like we, the viewer, are supposed to desire them. Mm-hmm. So I feel like changing the script, like you're saying, and like literally changing the script yeah. um, is, is an interesting way of recoding desire and showing that all bodies are desirable or, or not, you know? Yeah. Something I picked up on too that you said that I find fascinating is that you're sort of developing these characters from the ground up, yeah. which means that tokenization is maybe off the table, mm-hmm. which is something that I always yeah. worry about in my work. Like mm-hmm. in, in everything that I do, mm-hmm. including this podcast. And so I love that it's like, it's sort of built in. So you're mm-hmm. not using it as a, mm-hmm. as a token. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. I mean, I think I don't have the answers yet, but I have a lot of the questions and I try to just keep asking myself the questions. I mean, uh, and being yep. aware of when I have blind spots, because I also have. And everybody can do that. Yeah. Like that's so accessible. We yeah. can all just keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have 20 years of 
all of this previous media that codes, you know, like where women are less interesting as far as the way they're written by male characters and they constantly fulfill a function, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I write a female character, I think it's useful to ask myself, like, have I actually thought about her as much as I've thought about this other character? Is she existing just to fulfill a function? What does this character actually want in this scene? Why is she helping him other than the fact that, like, that's what his story requires? Um writers mm. take note that's so yeah. important it's funny to that like because <clears throat> i've written some stuff myself and the, some of the criticism i got on my on my one script in particular that i had overwritten the females and underwritten the males <laughs> good but i think that yeah well, yeah good i agree but i think that's just because i'm a fucking gay lord yeah and that i identify with the female characters more than i do my own male characters right but, yeah that's so interesting. Yeah. I share that too. I would yeah, say. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, just being so attracted to powerful women as a young kid. Totally. Not, like, just that's what so I so gay. That's what I grew up on. I loved mm-hmm. my heroines. I loved my strong female mm-hmm. yeah. representation in the media. So, of course, that's what I'm going to write for too. It's interesting too. There was this um, this article on Facebook, and you know when you just like you don't want to look at the comments, but you know it's going to be a hot mess, so you do anyway. Um, the article is something <laughs> along the lines of like. Jean Grey in Dark Phoenix is like a, a female villain and we need more of these. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually read the article. It's an it's an interesting little bit, but I read the comments and this a few people were like, Can't we just leave stories alone? Like can't it just be an escape? Like why do heroes need to be political? And people are just what? pulling up quotes from Stan Lee, etc., being like it's always been political, like art and representation X-Men and characters. Especially has been the most it's yeah. about queer people. Yeah, like it's about marginalization. Yeah. But it's just so funny and, and easy to forget that. I think it's easy for people to forget that. I should say that this amount of thought needs to go into this writing because mm-hmm. sure, sure, it can be escapism, but it's much more than escaping, right? It's totally. constructing a world in, in a yeah. sense. And real good smart writing is both. Right. Yep. Yeah. So true. So, like, Jean Grey is, like, my favorite comic book character. Me too. <laughs> yeah. The original. I mean, the movie's going to be terrible. Let's all just know yeah, that. I think it is, but Let I'm still going to watch it. Yeah, me yeah. too. Just go back and watch the cartoon yes. Phoenix Saga, because <laughs> that is hands down excellent. I do hands love down the, the, the grandiosity of that cartoon, especially her and Storm in that Phoenix, <laughs> oh, Phoenix series. They're just Lord. diatribing and announcing what they're doing. Just fucking fabulous. It's amazing. Yeah. We should start doing that on this podcast more, Tom. <laughs> Wine! <laughs> come to my glass and fill me with... I don't know. My just get terrible you. Storm impression. I love it. Get you to just give us sound bites for it. It's perfect. Um, speaking of writing, you've written and sang and put out a new EP. Um, I have. You're so good at transitions. Am I? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Clunky. Yeah. Um, I was wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that and plug yeah. it. Yeah. So the last time I, I... So I tried to make a go of it as a singer-songwriter for a while. I think I was trying to be Gaijin Sarah Bareilles. And Gaijin tra- Sarah Bareilles. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely really was gunning for that sort of like refer to that sweet boy long. next door at the piano who sings slightly edgy songs, but not really with any edge. What? Uh, and I love Sarah Bareilles. Oh, yeah. You, but, yeah. Um, I have seen Waitress, had, by the way. Have you seen it? I have. I enjoyed oh, it fuck, quite a I bit. Watch it. Okay. Yeah, I felt very threatened when she switched into musical theater. I was like, you can't have this, too. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out she can. If only she was gay and Asian, though. Yeah, right? if only. I would watch you as Storm and her as Jean Grey sort of diatribe. <laughs> oh, I would enjoy that a lot. That's my Halloween wish now, I think. But yeah, I tried it for a little while. Toronto is a... Is, a city that kind of you you've kind of got to have a specific take and being an indie artist in the city really really landing is hard mm-hmm. 
And I don't think I had quite what it took to put myself at the forefront of the stuff I was making. I think there's just a little bit too much of me that likes, even my persona, there's a little bit of like judgment in the way my onstage personality is. And I'll be like, I said it. And that was kind of weird, wasn't it? Oh, I'm sorry for living. You know, <laughs> like, that's just a part that. of like how I am. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. really hard to then market yourself as an indie artist. Mm. It's like uh, when I was transitioning into theater, I was like, oh, this is a much better fit writing for other characters. Uh, and so as a result, the last album I put out was in 2012. And then I left it behind. And then this year I was struggling a little bit with writing and I realized it was because I'm not super connected to my own physical voice, but mm. also my own voice as an artist. Interesting. And you mm. kind of all, always have to have some way in, right? You've got to know a little bit about what you actually want to say, even if you're writing for a character. So I took a moment and wrote the middle song on this EP called Aftercare because I thought it would be a fun idea. The idea of like... That's my favorite song. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. I'm, thank you. It's so good. Yeah, that was the one that started it off. And uh, thank you. I say to Jesse as he refills my wine and now I'm narrating because I realize... That's not supposed to be about this it. This is perfect. Perfect. Enough, It's perfect. I love yeah. it. Um, yeah, you know, uh, the concept of Aftercare I thought was really interesting and I hadn't seen a song about it and I thought that it would be a kind of cool very specific queer thing to represent that in the music that I put out, but also just make it a slick, laid-back song. And it's funny, too, because you you say him, like you use male pronouns, right, for, like, the love interest in it, and I... That never happened. I know, and I I knew what you were about, and I was still surprised when I heard it, and, like, instantly taken to it, because, like, we need more anthems like that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. He's male pronouns, I call him daddy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think I refer to, like, myself in the song as your boy at one point. Love that. I don't know, y'all. That sounds a little bit too political. For me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stacy, <laughs> who invited her. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, but it's funny. I actually did right before I uploaded the album to the internet. I had a major exposure shame over where I was like, "This is a lot." I don't know how my parents are going to listen to this without. Uh, I just didn't tell them about it. Mm. But my siblings have listened to it. But I had this moment where I was like, should I rewrite all of the lyrics and make them less specific? And my best friend Amir said to me, uh, Kevin, we don't let shame govern the art that we make. Oh, I know. So I left it. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, now I look back at some of like the genericized <laughs> lyrics that I drafted. And I was like, no, I thank God I didn't change them. <laughs> it would have been about nothing rather than about being, you know, being about something very specific. Um, can you speak a bit more about aftercare in it and like what, yeah. what it meant for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, it's funny just cause I'm not a super seasoned BDSM queen, but I, I read a lot. Right. And I think that's part of, the ongoing queering of myself mm-hmm. as I grow as an individual is, you know, like I, even when I do or don't choose to participate in other aspects of, um, of what we're discovering culturally, polyamory, BDSM, kink, other things, I like to know what's, what's out there and how people are expanding their horizons in a way that is, uh, healthy and communicative and connected and, and how they're using it as a way of connecting back to themselves. And the concept of aftercare is the idea that um, in a situation where you're exchanging power consensually with someone, something can happen to you after you're done in which you're in a really exposed, raw, vulnerable place. And aftercare is a way of sort of bringing you back up into a place where you feel safe and cared for and you can sort of like decompress after after the real adrenaline rush and the sort of stripping away of the previous act that's happened. Wow. Yeah. Um, actually if it's okay us. with you, we'd mm-hmm. like to play a little clip of Aftercare, perhaps right now. Please do. Okay. Yay! Great. 
<laughs> Jesse, thanks for cutting that in. Um, how long, how many work hours did that, that EP take you? It took, I started it about four weeks before it was released. Wow. Three, and, and I kind of finished the entire thing in about that three so weeks. Fast, it yeah. was it is yeah. fast. I I as of my previous album in 2012, I started really mixing recording and producing stuff at home. Mm. And really professional mixers will be able to tell just because I don't quite have all of the tricks that a really professional mixer and masterer does in doing tracks, but I've gotten pretty good over the years from watching a lot of other guys in studios. And so there's a lot of small tricks of the trade that I've picked up over time. It's so very entire, impressive. The entire thing was yeah. sequenced and tracked at home and recorded at home and then mixed at home. What with, mm. with who? Oh, just myself. Like why? <laughs> yeah. Like literally, if you if I lock myself in my study, and if if you're my husband downstairs playing Minecraft, all you hear is me being like, "Oh shit! Oh god damn it, Kevin!" <laughs> like you just constantly hear like high high riffing, possibly some voice cracking, and then just like expletives from That's the room. Hilarious. <laughs> Make that a whole track on yeah. its own. Yeah. Each week we find someone who'd be a better producer than Jesse. So yeah. Um, Jesse, yeah. what are you still what are doing, you doing here? here? The balcony is right. <laughs> I won't be as attentive to your wine glasses, though. <laughs> yeah, and you can't then. I'm so sorry. Um, just for our listeners, do you mind uh, telling us all where we can find your EP? Yeah, so the EP is called Emotional Homework. It's a five-track EP, and it's available for streaming or purchase if you feel like being generous. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's available on Bandcamp, but also all of the music streaming services. Spotify, Google Play Music, Apple Music... Y- Yazam. Nope, I made that one up. Yazam. Yazam. No, no, no. Yazam's oh, my favorite the infamous one. Yazam. <laughs> do you get What's like to Yazam today? For <laughs> like, so if I have Apple Music, do you get royalties from that? Like, just you, by having it, you do. But streaming money is so small, and that was the other reason I did the whole thing at home because I, unless you're playing live a lot and selling hard copies of something, you're really not making money because no one pays for even downloads anymore. Right. Right. So you get like point zero zero five cents per stream or something like that. Cute. Okay. So even for my last album, every once in a while, every quarter you get an email from your distributor being like, congratulations, here are your six cents from this <laughs> quarter of streaming. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> joking my husband the other day, oh, we were driving sense. in the rain. I was like, well, if I die, you'll still get those emails every quarter to really rub salt <laughs> in the wound. Oh, we love dark my humor. Would go there. <laughs> of oh, my residuals. <laughs> Six. I can have a, a quarter of a bread loaf. <laughs> Little bottom meat. Uh, <laughs> Little bottom meat. Get half a baguette for that price. I'm, I'm really curious. Oh, baguette, faggot. Do you? <laughs> um, about the working through of your voice, like yeah. physical and, and persona-wise. Um, who is on this EP? Like, like what is your voice? that is materialized now. Hmm. 
I think this EP, inevitably, a lot of things I do end up hearkening back to other influences from when I grew up. And so there's a lot of, it's funny actually, on this EP, a lot there's a lot of 90s pop and soul mm. that accidentally made its way through without me consciously <laughs> meaning for it to. Like there's a song that very much sounds a bit like a boys to men slash Janet Jackson, like laid back bedroom arrangement. Uh, there's one song that sounds a little bit like it's a love letter to Carly Rae Jepsen, which it really is because I could not. Stop oh yeah, that's the first to... one we listened. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's really yeah. funny you said that because yeah. as soon as I finished EP, I put on Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh yeah, <laughs> so it's perfect. Yeah, there's one that's like clearly a love letter synth pop. The song Road Trip, um, and then there's a song that is like all New Jack Swing, a little bit Bruno Mars finesse, but it's all mostly geeky sci-fi references from either video games now or '90s cartoons. Love that. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's a lot of that. I mean, I think you can clearly hear from it that I grew up listening primarily to like Mariah Carey in the 90s, <laughs> but also a lot of other 90s artists at the time. And I mm-hmm. think that inevitably is a part of both my physical singing voice, but also just the way I produce music and write. That's really exciting. I'm excited for listeners to hear it. Yeah, me too. Um, just to, I want to change gears a little bit, mm-hmm. if you'll both allow me. Vroom, vroom. Um, you've mentioned your husband a few times. Just yeah. like to what know about him. Yeah. Who's your husband? Where did you meet him? How did you get married? So his name's Nicholas. I met him through uh, a boyfriend of his who was a friend of mine, is now neither to either of us. He's oh, doing great, juicy. though. He's I want to hear that story. I, I mean, it was... Yeah, I I didn't break them up. We did get together real fast after they did break up. Okay. Um, but everyone's fine. You know, oh, it was 11 right. years ago. Yep. We're all good. Okay. <laughs> the typical <laughs> queer story. Yeah, I he doth protest a little much. Yes, I suppose. <laughs> and what do you do when there isn't like one extra gender to sort of like soften the blows of who friends and dating can be? It's a really good point. Yeah. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> You're my friend, but I might also stick my dick in you. Yeah, that's <laughs> the title of my yeah. memoir. Oh, yeah. excellent. Is there another way to have friendship, actually? I'm <laughs> confused what the joke is here, guys. I don't really get it. Um, um, okay, so you, you met and then... We met in 2007 or so. There was... He made most of the effort initially. I thought he was super cute, but... Um, Especially, he I don't was, believe I've ever met Nicholas. I don't think you have. He's he goes to bed at nine p.m. Oh yeah, no, that's and, when I wake up. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> I sometimes if I'm writing up until five a.m., we'll pass in the night as he's getting up at five to go to work. If Nicholas has ever um, opened the alley door to shoo away raccoons, he's probably met you, Tom. Is what I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> Quite possibly. Fuck you. <laughs> you never know. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. Uh, well, probably not. <laughs> anyway, so when did you realize you're like, oh yeah, that's the person I want to marry? Oh. And how did you even go about doing that? I think when he like put up with my first temper tantrum, probably. Oh. I don't have them very much now. That's part of my growth is that I've softened and I've I've gotten rid of the dark phoenix for my phoenix. Hashtag queer growth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> queer, clear. I can't think of another beautiful. one. Beautiful. Nope. Be- queer, clear, beautiful cover girl. There it is. Take Thank over. you. Cover girl, you're homophobic if you don't use yeah. that. Stop saying everything's like oh homophobic. Um, I mean, there was a part when we, we developed crushes on each other, and then he was still seeing this other relationship through, and I actually pointed out that it was a little messy, and so we stopped talking for a little while. And then when we did meet back up about a year later, that relationship was coming to an end, and it was clear that there were still feelings... And I was still in law school in Windsor, and he actually would drive over every other weekend to Windsor, and <gasps> I would drive to Toronto every all those other weekends. Wow. And we How long of, of a drive is that? It's about four, four and a half hours. hours. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's love. Yeah. 
You know, so I'd make sure I douched and stuff. <laughs> you know, make his trip Love worth it. Make his trip worth it. Lobotomy is born today. Oh, now I've definitely made sure this podcast can't be listened to by family. Um, yeah, I, I mean, we. It was actually nice to have a courtship over long distance. The the pace of a it. Courtship. Nice. courtship. This is why I'll never have a courtship because I don't know words yes. like courtship. Well, you know, I like would wait with my medieval like sash blowing in the wind and. Well, if you actually look, it's like a 70s Windsor balcony rusted, covered in bird poop. <clears throat> but let's go with the, yeah, let's go with Your the Your western purple flag. Yeah, my western <laughs> purple flag blowing in the wind. Um, yeah, and then I moved back in 2009, and by then my family really loved him as well. I think there's some simpatico, like he's the first child of a Greek immigrant family. I'm the first child of a Chinese family. There's there's just a lot of stuff that's easy to shorthand there. Mm. And I think what was the most indicating that it was going to last was just that we really, really were interested in both challenging each other, but also, like, we really believed in each other. Like, he, if you ask him, he'll probably say that he's my biggest fan, except that he's, when he's roasting me as well, so. That's how you oh, know, that's though. That's really sweet. Yeah. I love that. I'm having feelings of, like, that's nice, and I'm jealous, too. <laughs> I mean, I think it still is nice, too. Yeah. We've we've really grown together so did you have a gigantic wedding we did just i mean oh yeah i was saying earlier like we were young and heteronormative but we we booked the toronto reference library and we had about 200 and something people toronto reference library reference library so cute (laughs) at the time they were just starting to market their event space and market it more as a, a a venue for these things because of their hours, they're actually used a lot for Jewish weddings because um, Jewish weddings love to happen around 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. Mm. And we did that too. We got married on the central main floor of the library. And then uh, they've got this new event space where a lot of conventions happen on the second floor. So we went up there for the actual reception. Wow. Yeah. What's your advice for married queers? Um, okay. So this is so cheesy. This is not going to be funny, probably. We love it, cheese. I'll make fun of you, don't worry. You know, like when we try to push each other's buttons, I was reading this book that pointed out that like anytime you're really trying to get a rise out of someone, it's because you're feeling disconnected from them. And so you're really, really trying to get a real connection with them back. And if other overtures aren't working, then you start resorting to low blows to try to get anything out of them. So you're like, oh, oh. see, at least I can still do that. That's a way of connecting with you. And to this day, sometimes when we're bugging each other, when we start hitting low blows, it's usually because we're really not meeting each other. And so we try to pare it back now and be like, okay, how am I actually feeling? And sometimes, and usually you have to say the vulnerable thing instead of like the accusatory thing, which is that like, okay, I feel insecure right now because yada, yada, yada. And it gives the other person an opportunity to actually respond and to like reassure the root thing instead of just being like, well, you're being a bitch. Wow. That is phenomenal advice. (laughs) I am fucking blown away. Is that how you are with Timothy, Elliot? Uh, Yeah. I was thinking about my own relationship as you're saying that definitely. And it, and I would say that we are good communicators, but that happened slash literally happened today where we both lashed out at each other. And it was entirely because we were too busy all day. We had no time to reconnect. And then as soon as it happened, we just like looked at each other and then the connection happened. And it's almost like it took that to remind us that we weren't mm-hmm. connecting on the level. That's how I feel with this glass of wine, too. Oh, that's perfect. Just yeah. smash it on the ground and pick up the shards. <laughs> <laughs> but that's amazing. And, and I love how that's opened to all marriages, to even yeah. relationships. That's just that's such a healthy way to connect. It's actually uh, the other trick that I recently, recently learned um, just from a therapist. It didn't go for any reason except to spot check. But then she had to start with 
just staring in each of these eyes for about five minutes and just breathing together. And I'm finding like like the eye contact with anyone is mm-hmm. working really well. Like even co-writers when we're disagreeing about something, I'm sort of like, can we just take a second? It's really cheesy. Like it's really hard to no, do. No, I can't believe like, yeah. this is so crazy. Mm-hmm. This is this is so kooky. Um, Elliot and I held eye contact for a little bit too long this morning and I got really uncomfortable all of a sudden and so I announced <laughs> don't you dare know who I am <laughs> so you're right about eye contact it's so like obviously yeah. being trained as an actor like it's just where yeah. you it's how you connect it's oh god now we're locked eyes too long we and are. I'm uncomfortable again I really like it um, also if I'm not mistaken Bridie who does um, a Turn Me On podcast uh, we've we've done a crossover with them she runs uh, workshops where they sit down and they have like extremely prolonged eye contact like a meditation thing I think I'd have a mental breakdown but that's the point though is you yeah. push past that right like there's there's it's healthy also there's that old parable where you like fall in love apparently if you hold it for 10 minutes or something that's all it takes but I mean I buy that I've definitely been like I think I'm falling in love and I'm like oh no I'm just holding eye contact for a really long time <laughs> oh that's what it yeah. is is that what I'm missing uh, wine doesn't have eyes so. <laughs> we could add googly eyes you to have your wine glass wine? though it'd be- <laughs> Lots of I wine would love to add googly eyes to your wine glass. This is a business Kevin. in and of itself. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> or maybe at the bottom of the wine glass, you're just staring. Tom, that pool. was a low blow. We need to reconnect. No, don't Look reconnect with me right now. <laughs> Look deep into my eyes. Speaking of uh, eye contact and reconnecting with people, mm-hmm. uh, would you mind looking over your right shoulder? Yeah. And just taking in the sight that you see. Do you do you want me to describe what I am seeing? Yeah, I would love Please that. describe Pamela's look and aura. Oh, yeah. so this is Pamela. This is oh, Pamela. Yeah. Oh, this my is God. Pamela. Yeah. The infamous. Yes. The infamous Pamela. So um, Pamela is looking straight ahead with a great deal of alarm. Sort <laughs> <laughs> of the way I do at straight couples when they like really engage in PDA on the street. Um, she's also rocking a lot of wiggery, but it's sort of a, um, a wiggery collage, I suppose. Um, it's sort of formed out of like partially Merida's brave hair from the movie Brave. Very Perfect. good. Um, slightly the hair Mariah Carey circa 97 right after her divorce. Honey. Um, and then partially a red hoodie. It's, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, I'm obsessed. Um, if you had to s- sum up her, like, um, what emotion would she strike into your heart upon looking into her eyes? I think that uh, the feeling of seeing a lost soul that you need to take immediately to the Humane Society. <laughs> That's perfect. That's you, how I feel when I look at Elliot. You nailed it. Aww. Oh. Um, when Jesse was dressing Pamela today, he looked he looked at me and said, I really hate it when she looks away like that. As though she has other looks, which is my favorite. <laughs> because depending on the lighting and the outfits, it really does change her entire grisly face. Grizzly. Well, I see that. Yeah. Oh, that I mean, was amazing. You put those like, candy lips on her, I feel like that would really change the look as well. <laughs> if you right, were to because send she has us... a bit of a mustache, like instead of whiskers, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you'd like Just... to send us can- candy lips for Pamela, please. <laughs> please and thank you. I'll email you my uh, my postal code. I'll eat your candy lips. We, we're going to do a cool thing round. We have some lightnings Ooh. to round. Are you ready? Ooh, oh my goodness, not at all. Let's do it. That's good. That's the best place Perfect. to be. Perfect. May I start this week, Tom? Oh my God, please. Daddy's in charge. Um, <laughs> Kevin, what are your pronouns? He, him. 
What's your favorite swear word? Oh, fuck. What's your favorite body part? Ass. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, sorry. Tom just got, got really excited. <laughs> What's your favorite movie? Oh, my gosh. Um, mm. I'm going to say Sister Act 2 right now. Okay. Amazing. What's your favorite mythical creature? Hmm. I'm going to say the mermaid. No, Merman. Merman. Yeah. It, you know what was one of my sexual awakenings? 1989 Little Mermaid. Like, just the mermen floating mm. in the background. Some of them were, like, voluptuous AF. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm, gotta go back and, and watch And a man, that. like, with no penis, with a fishtail instead? Yes, sign me up. Yeah. Tom, speak for yourself now. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite noise? I think like genuine onomatopoeias of alarm. Like I do them a lot because like <laughs> this is this is too long an answer for a lady, right? No, no, like, no, my, no, it's my not ankle enough. rolls super easily just because like I played a lot of tennis as a kid, and I think genetically like my ankle just goes <laughs> and so, like that sound right there. But like so, I've learned to drop my whole body if I feel my ankle roll on the street. And so sometimes you're walking with me, and I'll drop my body, but I will also always make a sound. So it's sort of like bloop, and suddenly I'm gone from view. <laughs> Genuine onomatopoeia of I alarm mean, is my favorite <laughs> sentence I think that I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. Um, Kevin, who's your celebrity crush? Ooh. Oh, this is so problematic. I'm just going to say it, though, because it's what came to mind. Charlie Puth. Oh, yeah. No, no. I like, totally agree. He's adorable. He's brilliant musically, yeah. and like all of his stuff is slightly problematic because he's like such a privileged cisgender straight white male. Yeah, like all of his song content is a little bit, mm. <laughs> and yet like I can't get enough. Yeah, you know. his Instagram is so stupid, and I can't look mm. away. Um, who's your queer icon? Hmm. This is huge. That's a big question. I know. Saved it till close to the end. Take some time if you need. This this lightning round is not like a stick of lightning. It's one of those like prolonged. Right, it's like a butter like stick. Class, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A butter stick of lightning. That doesn't even a make butter stick. I've never even heard of butter stick. It reminds me of like baguette again. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sticks of butter that you okay. use them for croissants. Here I am stalling for time. You enjoy. Um, so a butter stick is your queer icon is what you're telling me. <laughs> uh, you know what? I was re-watching some of The Emperor's New Groove last night, and yes. I'm going to say Eartha Kitt. Yes! Oh, that's phenomenal. Fucking great. Yeah. That Specifically, Eartha Kitt as Yzma, too, is like a queer icon. Yzma is perfection. That's amazing. Pull the lever, Elliot, on the next question. What do you wish... You- that was so good. I'm so sorry. That was so good. Um, Kevin, what do you wish you knew more about? Hmm. Metalworking. For real, but also, you know, this is the the queerest lightning round we've ever had. Mm. I hate you guys. I really don't know anything about it. It looks wonderful. Okay, what would <laughs> what would your friend say is your best quality? Hmm. Your lack of knowledge on metalwork. Your I lack of say. knowledge yeah. about metalworking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I think it would be either. Uh, <laughs> um, 
I think they'd say I'm like generous with my time. Like, yeah, it's a good one. What are you most grateful for? The times and place in which I live. What do you hate about straight culture? Willful blindness. What's your queer Such a lawyer answer? Love it. It's true. Um, I'm a slut now again. Um, <laughs> what's your queer superpower? Oh, I am sure that everyone has said. Oh, you know what? So you know, I'm sure everyone has said like the ability to like change outfits with a snap or something. My ability would be no. to change any of my outfits into one made out of bidirectional sequin with a snap. Like a mermaid sequin. And then might, I would just walk around feeling my oats all day, just sliding up and down. You might need I a metal really, worker to help want, put that together. <laughs> I want bi-directional sequence outfits for you. Mm, yeah, me too, my actually. Queer, Thank you. That's my queer wish for you. The only thing is I would be unfocused, because all I do when I see mermaid sequin is just, like, constantly yeah, yeah. It's impossible not to. Like, Leah Canelli has one jacket that's just mermaid sequin on the sleeves. Oh, she can't wear that And I cannot... Yeah. I, I can't actually hear a word she says while she's wearing it. I'm doing it in the air right now. I'm yeah. just picturing it yeah. glisten um what's your biggest queer fear hmm being stoned to death fuck yeah. um wow no, what real is... dark real clock <laughs> i heard that as um yeah. uh smoking too much pot right no but like stone yeah. stone yeah. to death is what it? is your queer mantra hmm how you are as beautiful as you are Aw, that was a roller coaster in the best the title, way. St- the title of your next. Uh, I followed Stone to Death with How You Are Is Beautiful. <laughs> Unless you're being stoned to death, that's not right. It's very I mean, much even, set, even then, even but, you stone. know, it'd just be harder to focus. <laughs> you're gonna break Tom again. Um, we like we need to end with. I mean, this has been so joyful, but uh, we end with a double rainbow, which basically is just something. A double uh, arc d'anciel. <clears throat> Perfect. Did I get that right, Jesse? Jesse's French. Kind of. He's, he said, yeah. He's politely nodding. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so anything positive that happened to you in this past week or today that you'll carry forward as a reminder of happiness. Mm. You don't need to go yet. Tom, do you have one? Oh, um, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Okay, it's a little bit hokey, but I'll Yay. go. Um, I was, you know, I woke up in a bad mood, and I have been feeling not great lately. And it was nice, Elliot, you and I took a walk today, the nice spring weather, and we sat down and ate some brunch. My anxiety was still flaring, but in a way, I was trying. I like was purposefully, every few minutes, I'd be like, check in with myself and be like, you're fine. This is fine. You're just having a day. You're eating lunch with your friend. It's a nice day. And it, it was it was good. I'm so happy. That's yeah. wonderful. Has, has the anxiety subsided? Nope. Perfect. <laughs> Jesse Wine, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, my double rainbow is uh, this is kind of a stark, stark contrast from that. Um, but uh, my boyfriend Timothy and I had um, a visitor this weekend who is someone that we... Uh, he's an uh, old best friend of ours and also someone we, like, have sex with quite frequently. So he came this weekend and we just had, like, three days of amazing sex and, like, dinners. And it was just, like, really cute 
and like kind of like thruppily and just like dear and he took us out for seafood and like paid for oysters and wine um <gasps> right <Who is> he? <laughs> i know right so that was really nice that's my, that that was my double rainbow oh, that's really great i'm great. so happy for you that sounds great <laughs> not at all jealous or angry <laughs> it's perfect <laughs> yeah i have nobody you might as well have two that makes sense yeah that's great i actually <laughs> thought about that this week and i was like this is rude like it's just rude of me i need five you're a greedy piglet it's yeah. fine i've always known that about you <laughs> I'll never stop. Kevin. It's great. What's your double rainbow? Um, it's like sort of work-related. I mean, I just came off a great workshop with some students, but we also just confirmed... I've got this Fringe show coming up this summer, and we just confirmed... <gasps> fringe! Con- yeah, Teen right. Fringe, in fact. And I, we just confirmed this teen cast, and it's a brand new show, and like this cast is like really wonderful. They're diverse in age, they're diverse in background. I think, I, you know, they're teens, so I'm not going to make them come out, but I think they're fairly diverse as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of that as well, and I just, I'm really excited to have this cast of really positive kids who look the way our city looks in this show. So, yeah, that's mine. Amazing. Before we it. go, can you say the name of your two EPs that you have and also the show that you're working on, if you can? Yeah. Can you plug your stuff? Yeah, for sure. So um, my last full-length LP is Songs from the Weekend. And that's on all of the streaming services. My most recent one is called Emotional Homework. Check that out and give me some five-cent uh, <laughs> joy. <clears throat> and then check out at Toronto Fringe in the first two weeks of July, Drama 101, which is written by myself and Stephen Gallagher. And that is going to be in Teen Fringe. Do you know your venue yet? We should. We can loop this back, yeah, no problem. Um, do you want to plug your personal handle? Sure. Uh, you can find me at Kevin Y. Wong on Twitter and Instagram, and then Kevin Wong Music on Facebook and YouTube. Amazing. Kevin, thank you so much. This has been an absolute joy. Thank you for having me. Well, just say that. <laughs> the sound of your laughter, Tom, has been phenomenal. I know. I sort of want to get one more, but I really can't imagine what I would do that would be better than metalworking. Metalworking was... not. You can't. Fully you, you can't. can't. Look at me. You can't. Um, as always, you can rate, review, and subscribe, and please do. Uh, do you crew at iQueer on iTunes? Leave a review, but you can find us wherever you find podcasts, slash you're obviously listening right now. Um, <laughs> please send us an email at doyouqueer at gmail.com. We have a Patreon. Uh, we have Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the whole shebang. Jesse's giving you notes during this. so Oh, Jesse would like to tell me something. He just wants you oh. to plug merch. Merch. Or we to pl- right. So merchandise, buy it for buy fuck's it. sakes. We've got shirts and mugs and cute things. And just send us a message if you want to figure out how to buy it. We'll figure out how to get it to you. Amazing. Jesse, was that okay? Can can we go now? Are we <laughs> just kidding? Kevin, thanks, a Kevin. delight. Thanks for Thank you me. so much. And thanks all of you listeners for tuning in. We love you. We appreciate you. Until next Tuesday. Bye. 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 <laughs> I've never laughed that. Do you queer? 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 Do you que